0: Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us from the Weekly Standard is Bill Kristol. And Bill, it's the day after the primary voting finally ends, ends. And just as I predicted all along, it's Donald Trump versus Hillary. Okay, I didn't predict that. But we are here. It's The, the conversation's over. The two parties have their nominees. How does America look upon its political system today?
1: I guess you and I at least predicted it wouldn't be Bush versus Hillary, but uh, I certainly didn't expect Donald Trump, but I'm not happy about it, I've got to say. And I think the crisis that, you know, decent conservatives and Republicans face now uh, can't be underestimated. I mean, it really is um, – can't be overestimated, I guess is the right way to say that, Um, you know, that that as Trump – There were all these hopes that maybe Trump was being a little flamboyant and a little, uh, you know, saying some things to get attention, but now, of course, that he would be the nominee, he'd be more serious. And I think those hopes, I think they were always a little silly because the guy is 69 years old and is who he is, but it could be judged by his record uh, as to whether he's fit to be president of the United States. But. You've got to say that after the last few days, those hopes have been dashed for a lot of people, and now an awful lot of Republican officials are just in this uh, situation of having said they're going to endorse Donald Trump, having talked themselves into we can work with him, unity comes first, we have to unify the party, and now they're looking at defending the indefensible, and they are in the ridiculous position of saying the guy had said something about the judge that is just bigoted, indefensible, can't even imagine a presidential candidate saying something like this, uh certainly not. One that Republicans and conservatives, believers in a colorblind, raceblind society and the rule of law, and so forth, uh, I can't even imagine because uh, someone conservative supporting saying something like this. Yet he's got to be president. It's just it's an untenable position. Now politicians can hold untenable positions for quite a while, and they can duck and weave, and maybe that's what they'll do for the next four or five months. You know, I, I think it's it's a moment I think where there's some chance. I don't know if it's 10 percent or 40 percent of things really breaking, and if a couple of major political figures defected who had said that they were going to support Trump. If they now said, I'm sorry, it's just too much, you could have a cascade, I think.
0: Well, it was interesting, um, Hugh Hewitt, who's a uh, popular conservative uh, uh, talk show host and has appeared in some of the debates for the over the summer has been a steady voice for yes Trump has his problems but we must vote against Hillary and he started his radio show Wednesday morning with this oh my gosh we are doomed what we've seen the last 72 hours is a fiasco uh we there, you know we uh, it, it's all over republicans And he actually said the only thing that can happen now is for Speaker Ryan and Leader McConnell to join with Rice Priebus and say we've got to save the party at the convention. And I mean, Hugh Hewitt was one of the people who was completely rejecting the never Trump argument, saying there's got we absolutely can find a way to vote for Donald Trump. I thought that was an interesting voice to come out where he did after the last 72 hours.
1: Yeah, it is. And I, I like and respect you. Yeah, he was he was. Switzerland, you know, remember that in the primaries, so he wasn't willing to say that Trump is qualitatively worse than the other candidates running. Um, He seems to have pivoted. I still think, however, that the argument should not be made in terms of electoral prospects. First of all, that's really not what's going on here, that, gee, Trump's going to cost down ballot. That's not the issue. The issue is whether a serious political party can endorse Donald Trump for the presidency of the United States. And I think, uh, you know, obviously politicians and political commentators are entitled to, and we do, analyze the political effects and so forth. But it really is, not to sound like it sounds corny almost to say this, but it really isn't about saving the party at this point. It's about saving the country, because Hillary really would be a bad president. I think Jay Koss' open letter to Mitt Romney on our website is really worth reading, because uh, we don't normally publish that kind of thing, honestly. Right. I, the number of open letters we publish published in our 20 years is probably about you know, three, and Jay is an uh, analyst, a political scientist, a historian of American politics and political parties. He just personally was so moved to write this by his kind of horror at what is happening uh, that he did. And we were pleased to publish it because it's very powerful and eloquent, and people should read it. But and I hope Mitt Romney reads it. And, and again, Mitt Romney, what an irony there. We were all, pretty, most of us were pretty critical of him in 2012. And But he is in a special place. I've been thinking a lot, obviously, about who could run as an independent if nothing happens at the convention to derail Trump. And Romney does have a certain standing that others don't have. I mean, Ben Sasse, General Matters, there are many others who I would happily support personally, but Romney is the most recent nominee of the party, and so there's a certain logic to say if you believe the Republican Party stands for something, whatever the problems of Romney, McCain, Dole, Bush, you know, they all were within a certain framework, and Romney's the first who can say things went terribly awry this year, and I want to at least give voters a chance. I also do think, though, that... Thinking about it in terms of the Republican Party, I've been struck by this the last few days. I was in New York a little bit, talking with a lot of a wide variety of sort of Republican conservative types and a lot of younger people. I really think this could be not just uh, this moment isn't just a crisis uh, about Donald Trump. It really is a crisis for the Republican Party. I really don't know that the party survives after five months of being the tail to Donald Trump's dog. You know, and I, I really. I think people are underestimating that side of it. People still kind of think, you know, we get through the election, maybe it's bad. Maybe it's usually what it says. It's even a blowout. They lose the Senate. They maybe lose the House. But then it's kind of back to normal. I I really wonder about that.
0: Well, it's a branding issue, and I know that there are a lot of people who hate talking about the Republican brand something that as you know Bill I've been obsessed with because I deal with you know in the the talk radio world you're looking for listeners in the demographic as they say 25 to 54 and the uh, perception of the conservative media talk radio Trump end of the world is so negative among people 40 and younger that they simply won't listen to a talk radio station they won't hear a message I was just talking to a I'm guessing 20 late 20s young woman who works in government and uh, the issue of topic of, of Trump popped up and her, it was immediate revulsion. There was no conversation about policy. You know, what do you think of building the wall Didn't even get to that? It was, yeah. oh, my God, I can't believe anyone could be a Republican. And that's it's only going to get worse. That's what I want to ask you is. If you had to bet, you know, uh, uh, the night that the voting ended, Trump gave a speech where he read it straight off the teleprompter and this huge sigh of relief. It was almost I've never seen a bar set lower. You know, he didn't scream a racial epithet or dribble down his shirt seems to be the, the curve upon which Donald Trump is graded. Will we have more of the teleprompter Trump or do you believe that this is simply the next holding pattern until he blows up over something else?
1: Yeah, I think the latter is more possible, but as you say, I think the damage has been done. And look, you've used the branding metaphor, or maybe it's not a metaphor, the actual concepts you know, a lot in the last year, and I, th- I think you're you're right. I, and I would say but, uh, for people who do this branding stuff for a living, it, it, I'm sure they've got a distinction between a brand that is damaged, that looks a little stale, that looks a little old, that's got a couple of aspects to it that need to be fixed. But it could be fixed, you know. That's happened. Right. And if you think of corporate American history, you know, my impression is companies revive themselves. You know or a brand that's just kind of fatally flawed, that people just don't want to even look at the product, you know? And I think we're veering from the first to the second. So, and I don't know that Donald Trump, I mean, yes, if he's more disciplined, if he picks a good VP, if he announces cabinet members every week, I mean, I suppose it's conceivable. People will swallow hard and decide, I still don't think he'll win. I still don't think it'll be a very happy outcome this year. But I suppose, and, and I would still have probably, you know, still wouldn't want to support it for president, but others might, Convince themselves to do so in good faith, and, and I suppose it might become just a normal bad year as opposed to a catastrophic year. But you were talking about the young young lady you were talking to. I I did one of those conversations I do that uh, with Gary Kasparov, the former world world chess champion, and and Russia human rights and democracy activist. He's now living in New York because Putin has made it impossible for him to, to live in Moscow. And he's one of these, sometimes foreigners have kind of a shrewder or a bigger picture view of, you know, America, than Americans were so in the middle of it. And he's a guy who's admired America for, for his entire adult life, who was a great supporter of what we would consider to be a kind of, you know, well, conservatism in the kind of healthy, you know, sense That's the kind of America he admired, world leadership, innovation, daring risk. And he just – he thinks that after four or five months, of, uh, five months of going through a campaign where the Republican Party is defined by Trump, he just can't imagine the party can survive in the way it has. So he may underestimate the resiliency of our parties and obviously uh, predicting this will be foolish at this point. But I, I guess I've been much – become in the last month or two much more – open to the possibility that we're at a big moment for american politics in a much broader sense look which could be you know healthy in some ways if, if it leads to a rethinking and revival and rejuvenation of a, of a kind of conservatism but it's a, it's a heck of a thing to have to go through here for the next few months
0: and that's exactly what we're going to doing is going through it i have one last question for you it's really struck me how the reaction to the uh, the kerfuffle over the judge has had such a dramatic impact i trump's comments about the judge are, are hardly you know unusual from his comments in the past you know what i mean it's like yeah. someone suddenly looking up and going hey wait a minute you know, there are people cheating in the Olympics? When did that start?
1: <laughs> well, I think, don't you think, I, I was thinking about that too, though. I, maybe it's just, you know, the straw that breaks the camel's back and all that, but I kind of think it brought together a couple of things. I mean, if, if the Republican Party, conservatism especially, stands for anything these days, it's hostility to identity politics, right. a kind of old-fashioned belief, and again, the character, your character matters, not the color of your skin or where your parents are from. You combine that with the conservative emphasis on the rule of law, which is a very important emphasis, and this age of obama and of the erosion of the rule of law and they sort of come together here on uh, this notion that you have a judge who as far as one can tell from the outside is just being a judge i don't know if he's a great judge or a good judge or a so-so judge but he's in a civil case you know right. it's not exactly you know and trump out of the blue decides that uh, because of his ethnic background not even you know his parents i guess you know a heritage um where they came from, that, that he's going to go after this guy. So it, I think it does bring together the degree to which Trump is just willing to uh, violate or, or trash, you know, sort of core, I would say core American Beliefs, but their core American beliefs that conservatives, in particular, have been defending against the left for the last ten, twenty, thirty years, and maybe that's why this moment, uh, this became such a big moment.
0: I, I, I guess so, but it's just a, such so of a piece of playing footsie with David Duke of uh, right. the Mexicans are sending us their rapists. I mean, I just, it's not, you know, uh, this prism that he looks at the world through. So I, I just to me. Watching people like Hugh Hewitt, who once again, I like going, oh, my goodness gracious. We can't back this guy. I just want to say, where were you six months ago? There is nothing new here, but maybe maybe the combination is new. Bill Crystal, thanks so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Michael. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard Podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.